You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Barkboard. And Jackson, how are you doing? It's been quite a while since we've hopped on to a podcast. Yeah, I'm doing good, Lucio. I'm just busy <laughs> between Bulldog <laughs> Spring Practice and you know, I cover a couple other schools. I've been having to drive to the Bay Area on the days the Bulldogs don't have practice. So <laughs> I've been keeping real busy, but... I've seen a lot of Bulldog football so far over the first couple of weeks of spring camp and uh, ready to, to chop it up a little bit about the dogs. Yeah, and you and I bet you've been trying to, to make sure you have your rowboat with you to make sure you're able to access everything <laughs> into those practices, right? With all this rain that's been happening, there's a lot of soggy, uh, you know, soggy ground out there, and it's probably making things a little bit more difficult for the Bulldogs. Yeah, thankfully they practice in the spring in the stadium on the turf because their normal practice field is a ponding basin. And I would bet that it was a legitimate pond a few days over the course of spring camp so far. Uh, and, you know, that's not great for feet. So it's a smart move that they're not out there on, on that side of the facility for spring. Uh, they do use that during the season. But, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they've been a little fortunate with the weather that they just kind of lined up where the practices haven't been on too many rainy days. The one really, really the day where it just dumped all over the place they actually moved it uh, from practice from a friday to a saturday so they uh, and saturday was supposed to rain and then it didn't when we were out there so uh, they've been a little bit lucky but they've also got to go through some of the drills with the the wet balls and ball security stuff with the rain so uh, that's not bad either yeah it's uh it's Definitely turned up the difficulty level for uh, the Bulldogs in, in trying to, to fit in all their spring practices. Uh, and it looks like there's more rain on the horizon here coming uh, in the next few days. So it's uh, it's only going to add to 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 the the troubles of trying to to do spring ball but you've been out there and for the most part you've been able to see some uh, some of these players in action even some of the early um admittance players and so we're going to go ahead and start uh touching upon a lot of these players and at each position and uh, basically get a feel for what you think so far about spring break or not spring break but spring practice and uh well, why don't we just jump right into it? Let's let's start off at the quarterback position. Now, there's uh, the with the departure of Hayner, that leaves the the starting position wide open. However, um, you know, incoming uh, transfer is probably the front runner right now. And so, Jackson, what's your overall thoughts so far from the quarterback uh, group at that position? Yeah, uh, you know, one thing as you mentioned is the early enrollees and. It, it kind of sets the table here with the quarterback position because you know normally there'd be maybe four, five, six, you know, for the longest time around this time of year. You get a couple of junior college guys in at this time of year, and maybe a gray shirt or a walk-on would show up on the team. But with the transfer portal, with the junior college recruiting being so prevalent, uh, I mean, there are 15 new players total on the team. And some positions are deeper right now than they were back in December when the season ended. And I think quarterback's a good example of that. Obviously, not having Jake Hayner is a totally different ball game. But uh, you know, it was definitely Hayner, uh, Logan Fife as a backup, and you know, kind of everyone else. Uh, but right now, the Bulldogs have six quarterbacks on the roster for spring camp. All six of them are on scholarship. Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember ever a time where there were six scholarship quarterbacks. And all of them legitimately fighting for the starting job. Uh, the newcomer Mikey Keene from UCF certainly is the guy we all expect to see when the Bulldogs kick off in September. But right now, it is a very open and fair battle. Um, they've kind of whittled it down a little bit. They're getting reps for all six, but uh, Jaden Mandel coming in from Buchanan is the one the high school early enrollee. Um, you know, he's doing a really good job as a true freshman. He should be he's still not being high school right now, but uh, you know, they're maybe divvying up the reps a little bit more to some of the more experienced players. And Matt Robinson as well, a guy that's a six-year senior, didn't quite uh, make a splash for the backup job last season. 
uh, might be as well a, a guy that's on the shorter end of the reps. But uh, between Keen and then the three returners, Logan Fife, uh, Joshua Wood, and Jalen Henderson, all four of them are, are getting pretty even reps right now. And it's really hard to give four to six players even reps, but uh, they're kind of mixing it up. One day you'll see uh, Logan Fife and Jalen Henderson get all the reps, and the next day you'll see Mikey Keene out there with the first team, and Joshua Wood is the next guy up. So uh, they're really trying to, to rotate it around and give everyone a fair shot here. Um, obviously, this can't go on all the way to the season opener. Uh, you've really got to whittle things down, but at this time of the year, they're really just focused on getting everyone their opportunity to, to see what they've got. Um, it's really hard to say if anyone has really emerged over the first couple of weeks of spring, um, just because you know we, when we watch and we get to see them throw the ball around and go through drills and throw all the routes, and really all six of them are, are pretty competent throwers. So it's all going to come down to what happens in eleven on eleven. You know who's avoiding turnovers, who's leading the offense the best, and you know, some of that they keep under wraps. So. Um, Right now, I wouldn't say there's too been too many developments out there with the quarterback room, but we are seeing some of the new guys and trying to see where they fit in. And um, hopefully, by the time the spring preview comes around and we get a deeper look at the team, we'll have a, a little better understanding of uh, how distant one to two to three to four is uh, the, the pecking order goes. So, who's who's uh, pretty much uh, impressed you the most out of that quarterback position uh, from what you've been able to see so far? Yeah, you know, watching Mikey Keene the most, and uh, I, I wouldn't say he has a little bit more touch. I mean, like I, I said, when you watch them throw, all six of them, I mean, there's a reason they're scholarship quarterbacks. They all look pretty decent, and you're really splitting the hairs trying to find too big of a difference there. But about touch and consistency, I would say, and um, uh, Keene definitely checks those boxes. You know, you look at the way he leads receivers and, the way the ball hits those receivers' hands right where they're looking for, um, you know, it, it seems to be there and kind of fits what we've been hearing. But, you know, you see guys like Jalen Henderson who maybe not quite as consistent, but, you know, you'll see him maybe throw the best ball out of the six on one play. It might not be the best the next time around, but I think, man, if he can figure out a way to, to get that great ball out of his hand every time, you know, he could really make some noise. Logan Fife as well. Um, has really been consistent and, and trying to build off of what he got in his four starts last year. And also Joshua Wood, um, you know, he's kind of been elevated last year. He was the scout team guy right now. He's legitimately in the quarterback battle and you know, he's showing a lot of impressive stuff too. Um, and uh, it's, it's tough to expect Mandel as well to be <laughs> breaking out as the starter as a right fresh out of high school here in the spring. But I mean, I really like what I see when he throws the ball too. And, um, you know, he could certainly maybe be the, the guy in waiting uh, after someone emerges. Uh, pretty much all the quarterbacks on the Bulldogs, the four I'm talking about, they've all got like three years of eligibility uh, if they win the job. So um, if, if Mandel is, uh, you know, he's a guy that has enough eligibility to afford to wait around perhaps to be the next guy after the current pick. Yeah, and that that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see how this uh, how this pans out with these quarterbacks, and if Man- Mandel can uh, can close the gap uh, and and maybe surprise some people. So let's see uh, let's see how that uh, kind of shakes out once uh, we get into fall camp. Um, but at the next position, again, it's another position that's going to have some question marks, and that's the running back position. I mean, we, we end up losing the starting running back in Mims. Um, and so uh, from what you've been able to see, how are things going at the running back position? Yeah, the, the one guy that's really got experience on the roster is uh, Malik Sherrod, and he is doing a pretty good job kind of picking up where he left off and kind of establishing himself as that first-team guy. Um, but kind of the question has been not necessarily can Sherrod do that. I think he's been on track to do it, but what else happens around him? Um, because they've brought in a big piece in Damian Moore from Cal and you know, was Moore going to come in and just rise to the starting job right away? Or maybe he wasn't going to pan out as good as Sherrod might be. And you know, we're still kind of finding that out right now. I wouldn't say he's come right in and been, um, just the overwhelming best running back out of the group, but he's certainly been in that mix too. 
Uh, and then you look around the rest of the room, they do have a few scholarship players that we haven't seen much of yet. A bunch of walk-ons who, you know, it wouldn't be the first time a walk-on running back has emerged uh, out of the, the room at Fresno State. Uh, Josh Hokett is a very good example. Um, but Elijah Gilliam is one who carved out a little bit of a role last year, got some touches late in games, played a little fullback, and you know, he's really taken a big step. Uh, he's pretty much in the mix there as well, and they're kind of waiting to see if Jonathan Arsenault, at, at, with full health now, uh, he's going to be uh, an option in that committee perhaps, or if uh, Simi Bakari, a transfer from Missouri we didn't see last year, if he kind of breaks through. So um, still some questions to be answered there, um, but uh, you, I feel like you're in a pretty good spot between Sherrod and Gilliam and, and uh, Moore. Uh, those three are all kind of trying to prove themselves right now. Yeah, it should be interesting to watch, especially when uh, Rivers comes into the mix um, and uh, and see how things uh, kind of progress at the running back position. Um, we just need uh, one guy to emerge as being the solid, uh, you know, starter of, for every game. Um, do you feel that they're gonna they're gonna have uh, the guy that they can they can count on, or is it gonna be a, a little more of a running back by committee kind of this year? Well, you set me up perfectly because I was hoping to squeeze this in. I interviewed the new running backs coach, Aaron Pryor. He is from Eastern Washington. He worked with Pat McCann there uh, back in 2021. Um, he's replacing James Montgomery, who left for Boise State. And I just recently talked to Pryor just to write about that. Like, what what is the running back you're looking for? We've had a lot of coaches that have come and gone at Fresno State that maybe desire a certain style or size or you know, role in the offense. And what I liked about Pryor's answer, he said he wanted a, a basketball team of running backs or a, an Avengers. He wants everyone to bring a little something to the table and to utilize all those talents. So from my standpoint, you know, you certainly have to have enough capable guys to implement it. But I would anticipate that he's looking for more than one running back, maybe two or three, perhaps even four. We saw that with Coach Tedford early in his first run back in 2017. And 18, the Bulldogs would use three or four running backs. So Pryor seems like a coach that that's kind of what he's aiming for. And it does feel like they may have that. I mean, Malik Sherrod uh, might be the best running back on the team, but he is five foot eight, 180. Are you going to run him 30 carries a game? Or would it be better to pair him with a, a bigger body and uh, maybe someone that's more of a prototypical running back? And uh, it seems kind of like what they've got between the larger Gilliam and be kind of all around more and, the dynamic uh, smaller back in Sherrod. So uh, if those are the three guys, he, he's got uh, three-fifths of a, a basketball roster to work with right there. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, – it will be interesting to see how they develop uh, a system for these the this group of running backs. But it, it does sound a little bit more of, a, you know, whoever has the hot hand uh, kind of uh, what they're going to do and then change of pace uh, to try and keep teams guessing. So uh, – Let's uh, let's keep an eye on to see how that happens. Um, the next position uh, for the Bulldogs is the wide receiver group, and of course, uh, a couple of key members gone this uh, for this upcoming year. How are the Bulldogs going to to cope with this with the addition of some uh, wide receivers? Yeah, this is the strangest uh, group out of the spring. Uh, just watching them practice and seeing how few of the guys that we've seen for several years now. I mean, a lot of the pieces that have just moved on this past year, uh, Jalen Cropper, Zane Pope, Josh Kelly, I and mean, we've seen these guys out of practice since 2019. <laughs> uh, they're all absent, of course, moving on, um, as well as Nico Remigio, who was here for a year. He's out. So, I mean, man, there's a lot of pieces to replace for that group. The veteran of the whole room right now is Eric Brooks, and the next most experienced receiver is Magdalena, who's been right on the verge and uh, knocking on the door of all those veterans last year, the year before that. Um, so you've got pretty much two established receivers, and the rest of the room is, is just wide open right now. A um, couple of players that have impressed. Uh, well, you know, the, after the season, the Bulldogs have to work real quick on trying to get transfers in here to replace those spots, and they, they kind of missed, and then they went the junior college route. They've got three new junior college receivers out there right now. Tim Greer was the highest rated of the group. Uh, Antoine Sullivan and Artis Cole as well make up the three. 
but a couple of returners have impressed and I've gotten more in detail on it on our Barkboard VIP board, but a uh, name that is starting to kind of bubble out there publicly is Josiah Freeman. Uh, Jake Hayner actually uh, gave him a shout out at the NFL Combine. He was asked who was going to be the next big receiver at Fresno State, and, and he mentioned Freeman. Uh, so that's a big name to watch for. Uh, he's a six foot three junior college receiver who came in last year, but redshirted. Um, Jalen Moss as well was the top ranked true freshman on the recruiting class the year before and he redshirted and, and he's looking pretty solid and you got the three new additions and there's a few more names there in the mix too so right now it just kind of feels like uh, Brooks, Delena and, and everyone else trying to sort things out but um, starting to, to get a, an idea of a couple of guys that could emerge and be that third starter and the Bulldogs use a lot of their second team receivers and those are going to be valuable spots. Uh, I think it was also very important that Pat McCann, who has been elevated to offensive coordinator, stay with that group. He had a really good rapport with them last year. Um, has a very good history with re- uh, coaching up receivers. He had NFL prospects that the FCS stops he made previously. Uh, something I didn't mention earlier about the quarterbacks is because he's there at receiver. The Bulldogs do have a new quarterbacks coach to replace Kirby Moore, and that is Matt Wade who was a quality control coach last year. Uh, And I got to talk to him recently as well and understand exactly what a quality control coach is. (laughs) There's some of those. There's grad assistants. There's a bunch of these support staff roles. And basically Wade was in on the meetings last year with all the quarterbacks and with Moore. Wasn't allowed to do on-the-field coaching, but basically helped with everything else. So he's a guy that all these quarterbacks that are coming back are, are very familiar with and uh, brings back a lot of continuity. So uh, a little bit of a different dynamic between the quarterbacks and receivers. And it's also uh, a bit interesting just to hear McCann's background. The offense he ran at Eastern Washington as an interim offense coordinator, uh, very high-powered, very fast, very spread out. Uh, they averaged over 40 points a game. They threw the ball a lot. And so all the uh, receivers and quarterbacks seem uh, pretty happy about not just the opportunity to get starting jobs right now, but to play in a little bit of a new offense. Yeah, that's uh, to kind of get a new wrinkle into the offense is kind of it's it's exciting for the uh, wide receivers and and making more opportunities for them. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how things are going to work this year uh, with with the offense. Uh, I mean, they were used to a certain way with Kirby Moore, but now we've got the new offensive coordinator. So things are going to change. Uh, and just how they're going to utilize those players, um, only time will tell. And uh, the next position, you know, leads me to that. Um, how are they going to use the tight ends in the offense? And and so, you know, what have you been able to see so far uh, with the group of tight ends that Fresno State has this uh, in, come in this spring practices right now? Yeah, this is a critical storyline this spring, too, because for the last several years now, We've been interviewing tight ends and tight end coaches and saying, you know, kind of how do you make room for you guys because there's so much talent at wide receiver. Uh, we saw at times last year as well, they went four wide as well, um, which takes basically takes your tight end off the field. When you do that, uh, a lot of times they were three wide with one tight end. Um, so it was a little harder. And then when they're out on the field, I mean, I, I really liked Raymond Powell. I saw him make a lot of catches in practice that were really impressive and he had, a solid, he had solid numbers this year, too, but it's just a matter of when you have you know, Cropper, Pope, and Remigio out there who maybe will all be getting a shot at NFL football, uh, it's really hard to find a lot of t- looks for your tight ends. But now the Bulldogs have some established veteran tight ends and very little returning that wide receiver. Uh, so there's going to be not just a, an evening, but maybe even a further tipping of the balance towards the tight ends. Uh, when you've got Jake Bouse back, you've got Trey Watson back and healthy, that's a big deal right now too because he got hurt kind of late last season. I was a little bit worried he wasn't going to be out there for spring camp at all coming off of the injury, but he was good to go from day one. And so those two guys are really um, leading the group. You've got uh, a newcomer in Jake Tarwater, a junior college transfer, who uh, I really liked what I've seen from him so far. And you also have Cameron Beecham, who has been in the program for – couple of years now and is kind of getting ready to make a little more of an impact so 
got some other players as well. Um, I'd be remiss to miss uh, uh, Tyler Carr, the son of David Carr. That's surely a, a, a fun storyline. and It was nice to see him kind of in person. And, um, you know, he's got some size and uh, a frame to work on. And they're taking things a little slow with him right now. But he could definitely turn into something for the team. Um, and, yeah, so and then you've got Coach Baxter back at t- with the tight ends, really the only coach on the offensive, offensive side of the ball that has not changed titles or been replaced. So uh, glad to see Baxter back and bring a little continuity there to kind of shape what the staff is going to be this season on offense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on uh, David Carr's David Carr's son, uh, of course, because of just the name profile uh, and how he's going to fall into that mix of tight ends. Uh, but the tight end position has always been one of those positions where, when the Bulldogs utilize the tight end, they're very successful. And when they kind of go away from the tight end, uh, they seem to kind of struggle. So I, I would like to see the tight ends kind of get a little more involved because that'll keep defenses a little bit more honest and uh, allowing the wide receivers to do their thing. Um, next position, of course, none of this is going to happen without the offensive line, of course, Jackson. And that was a, a storyline last year um, of injuries and pieces being shuffled around. Are we going to see more of that this upcoming year? Um, you know, a little bit to be determined. Um, we've got a, a <laughs> That's new not coach good. There. <laughs> you know, well, there's a new coach in Brian Armstrong and, you know, we got used to seeing last season, the Bulldogs rotating the old line during a given game. And, you know, through the first couple of weeks of spring camp, the, the O-line has been pretty consistent, first team and second team every practice. So there's not been a lot of rotating or even uh, perhaps competition. Uh, I don't want to put it that way, but it seems like the guys that are on the first team maybe have a, a bit of a, a jump on the second team guys and um, you know, the players have settled in a little bit. Uh, as mentioned, the, the O-line has left some to be desired, yet it's the group that brings back the most players on offense. So you kind of have this weird situation where it's the one position group where there's not a lot of change right now personnel wise, but is that personnel good enough to lead a a whole new group of skills players that are maybe not as experienced and able to handle the pressure that they had this last year. So uh, a lot of it's on the coaching right now. Uh, I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing from coach Brian Armstrong comes from Montana state. Uh, led a Montana State rushing offense that put up absurd numbers. And we're seeing some changes to the Bulldogs running game because of that. A uh, little bit different approach, a more movement, good foot speed from his O-line that he's looking for. But, of course, the big question is going to be pass protection. And we're still waiting to see uh, exactly if that improves or how it improves or who improves it. So, um, it, well, that's the big question mark, I would say, moving forward, personnel-wise. Starting lineup was pretty similar, except for Bula Schmidt, who is no longer with the team. He has transferred to UCF, so they do have to replace the center position. And fortunately, the Bulldogs had a bunch of guards last year, and a lot of them have center experience. And uh, a couple of them are uh, filled in pretty seamlessly, uh, just trying to figure out uh, who fits in best there. And the other storyline is going to be the Bulldogs have three junior college offensive linemen, but only one of them is here and healthy. And so uh, the other two are both tall, long tackles. Um, Hayden Pullis is here, but he is not uh, cleared to practice because of uh, he's coming off of an injury. And then Caleb Barajas comes in later on. So there's a lot of opportunity for the Bulldogs to change things up at the tackle positions in the fall. But right now, personnel-wise, it's kind of status quo. Yeah, that is uh, not what I wanted to hear, Jackson. I was I was hoping you were going to tell me, you know, they've got all kinds of great talent out there that it's solid. <laughs> but I guess we're right back at square one again. So uh, Fresno State will have to kind of figure that out at the offensive line position, kind of get things sorted out. Now they've got time from now until fall practice, but uh, uh, yeah, something's definitely going to have to kind of uh, – Figure, be figured out uh, in order to, for the Bulldogs to be successful on offense. 
Now, on the flip side of things, uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with the defensive line on the defense and just how they're going to shape up so far in the, the spring practices. Yeah, the D-line, it was very similar. It's very deep. There's a whole lot of bodies out there and a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. But you know, losing David Perales, who was uh, almost the defensive player of the year in the Mountain West, I believe he was second, if not close to second, and voting for that. Um, I mean, that's a big hole to fill. And you know, it's also a unique spot because Devo Bridges, uh, who really just totally broke out last year, he can play tackle, he can play end. Um, they got by pretty well, even when Perales was hurt in the Boise State Championship game last season. And Perales played a lot of edge, but they also have Leonard Payne to fill uh, Devo Bridges' spot at tackle. And now Payne has transferred to Colorado. So it's like, do you put Bridges at tackle and find an answer at end? Do you put him at end and hope someone steps up at tackle? Uh, so that's the kind of the way that they're uh, looking at spring right now, kind of uh, what makes it. It gets the best four defensive linemen on the field, and uh, they do have a couple of more pieces coming in the fall as well, mainly Ezra Christensen, one of the few junior college transfers that is not here for the spring, but uh, I mean, he could be a potentially a, a big-time addition at edge. They also added a brand-new tackle as well um, this spring, uh, Dupree Mendoza, who is six foot five and 330, and uh, is every bit of that size, <laughs> and it's a little funny because I kind of thought he would just totally dwarf everyone else in that room, but um, the the rest of the room is pretty big as well. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of six foot four and six foot three guys, well, a lot more than we used to see in that Fresno State at tackle and end right now. <laughs> you mean I'm going to feel uh, a lot shorter this season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even at six five and three thirty, I mean, he's a, a massive guy, but he's not uh, just a giant compared to the rest of the linemen, um, and he's not. Uh, I mean, when you think of that size, you think of just a huge space eater, but he's pretty long too. I mean, he doesn't look any like he's got any a bit of overweightness to him or anything. I mean, uh, he fills it out very well. So a um, little bit of a battle at tackle, some battles at end, um, but you've got still about six, seven guys who played a lot of football for the Bulldogs last year. Um so a lot of freshmen who played last year who are trying to make a lot of strides right now and kind of maybe solidify themselves as the next guy to replace one of those roles. So, um, yeah, a lot of continuity, but it's just, you know, who's going to step up and be that fourth guy and, and what are the ripple effects of that in terms of where Bridges lands? That's going to be the big question this spring and it may continue to be the question through the fall. Yeah, so that uh, is definitely going to make make things interesting on the defensive line and and we'll see who emerges as the uh as the guy that is going to be the the solid player on that line uh to make a difference kind of like what Perales did um so uh let, let's see what happens there next position uh the linebacker position now the bulldogs usually uh, have been pretty solid the last few years is that going to be more of the same this season jackson uh, I would certainly say it is because you've got the same two guys who basically played the, the position all year long. Uh, Lavelle Bailey's back for a super senior year. Malachi Langley is back as well. Um, I mean, they were just as solid as could be. And the biggest thing right now for the spring is that they're not the only two linebackers like they were for most of the season last year. I mean, they, well, I've had other linebackers on the team, of course, and um, just not as much experience behind them. Uh, Phoenix Jackson gave some good contributions, but uh, there was a, quite a bit of a drop-off, I would say. And uh, They're feeling a lot better about the depth, but also the additions that they have, kind of an addition <laughs> who was already here was Raymond Scott, but he missed most of last year with injury. Uh, now he's back in the spring, the USC transfer. Um, I mean, he's a guy that can play a whole lot of snaps for Fresno State, give Bailey and Langley some rest and not feel like they're missing much when they bring him on, on the field. But they also brought in another transfer from USC to a CV Nomura. And he is also uh, very athletic, very talented. I mean, just feels like you could interchange him if you need to. And he's got an extra year of eligibility. So uh, between this year and next year, you feel like he's probably going to start some games for the Bulldogs. So you go basically from two linebackers to four that you feel really good about. And then, you also spend this spring bringing guys like Phoenix Jackson along further 
Um, uh, Tyler Mello, who was hurt just about all last year, spring and fall, he's back and healthy and having a good spring. Uh, you've got a lot of depth as well for you know, that next group I've been talking about. Uh, you've got Tanner Blunt, you've got Tim Thomas, um, Zeke Branham's been hurt, but you know it, it feels like they've gone from two to four, five, six, seven, maybe if enough guys pan out. So this is the room that uh, talking about feeling deeper than you did in December when the season ended. I mean, this you feel like you've doubled your depth with the amount of players you have right now. Uh, I'm really excited about Nomura, especially. Um, you know, there's a story out there that he played some snaps last year with a broken finger sticking out of his skin. Uh, I mean, this is a, a unusual level of uh, tough guy right here, and uh, he's a very hard hitter as well. So I'm anxious to see them when they get into some more scrimmage periods. Just, uh, he brings one of those hits to the practice field. Hopefully it's not too hard against one of his teammates, but uh, it sounds like he's going to be a guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch for the Bulldogs this season. Um, you know, Tyson Maeva came in as a big hitter a couple years back, but Nomura is a lot more um, – he's not as big, but he covers ground. He's a lot faster. So uh, to have a guy that can get across the field and lay those big hits is going to be interesting to see. Music to my ears, exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> uh, things uh, sound like you know the Bulldogs are in good shape for the linebacker position, uh, but – what also goes in hand in hand with that linebacker position is going to be that nickelback position, Jackson. And, and how are, how is that coming along in order to work with those linebackers? Yeah, we, well, we saw a strange development last year where Justin Houston had basically been the guy for two years and he was ineligible for a while. Maurice Norris played so well, a former cornerback who was a walk on, um, played so well at nickelback that, uh, we never really saw much of Houston, after that point, even when he was eligible and one game we did see a lot of Houston was against Wyoming where he had to step in at linebacker when Lavelle Bailey got dinged up instead of one of the backup linebackers talking about the, the worrisome depth last year and uh, the Bulldogs had a shutout. So that worked pretty out pretty good. So um, it, it'll be, I, I get the feeling that Houston is going to be more involved this year now that he's eligible and now that he's gotten through that situation, you know, it was not, didn't start off on the best foot with the new coaches going through that scenario, but uh, now that's behind him. Uh, you've got Maurice Norris as well, who, you know, he can play more than Nickelback. He came here as a corner, uh, maybe a safety potential where the Bulldogs need to replace two safeties. So uh, they have some options to work with in the secondary, particularly with these two Nickelbacks. And that's kind of what they're sorting out this spring. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You've got, Norris, who can play multiple positions. We've seen Houston, who can play linebacker. and um, We also know that, uh, even going back to the linebackers, when Coach Tedford was here the first time, uh, he really wanted to have a multiple defense. And they were so good in the 4-3 that they very rarely got away from it in his first two seasons. But in 2019, which is one <laughs> we, we like to try to forget around here a little bit, uh, the Bulldogs did utilize three, four formations and three, three, five against some pass heavy teams. And, uh, I think the depth at linebacker, uh, paired with the versatility of the nickelbacks, they could break some of that out this year. They can play a lot of different packages. Uh, I mean, they can be a team that goes from four, three, one week to three, four the next week or put extra DBs on the field. Uh, they're going to have at least the ability to do that kind of stuff. And, We'll see if they dig into that or if they really do stick to that four two five base, which uh, they they didn't stray away from too much last year. But now they've got uh, a full year of this defense under their belt. It's just night and day with spring practice where last year they're learning from scratch. And this year they have so many returners that already know the defense and they're adding on extra layers and extra formations. And um, So I, I got a feeling that we could see a, some – exotic looks from this group uh in the fall of the season but at the very least they're going to be very proficient at the base what we saw this past year well that's going to be uh going to be fun to watch how they inter uh interact with the linebacking group and uh it, it sounds like this uh, the defense is starting to kind of uh come together a little bit but the question mark uh, that we have, is, of course, is the safeties position uh, with the departure of Evans. 
Uh, how is that going to look? Uh, because those are some big shoes to fill, right, Jackson? They sure are. And um, maybe I'll say it's a, a big jersey to fill because the guy that's replacing him is wearing the same number 32. <laughs> and I, I hate to say anything, you know, that knocks Evan Williams or sounds like sour grapes or anything like that. But, I mean, you see Dean Clark and he's in that 32. And, you know, it, it feels like the Bulldogs haven't lost. You know, it feels like as close to possible as keeping Evan Williams as you could hope for by having Dean Clark out there and just coincidentally wearing that same jersey. Uh, similar measurables. He's a little, uh, I don't want to say stronger, but he has more weight to him and it looks like it's mostly muscle. Uh, talking about Clark. So uh, it feels like they found a really good replacement, all things considered. And uh, it's hard to imagine him not starting. Um, Fresno State doesn't do the thing where a transfer comes in and starts the first day. Everyone has to work their way up. And so that's what Clark is doing right now. Um, but what, who else is going to be there besides Clark? Because even if you say, all right, Clark replaces Williams and you're feeling good, you, you still have to replace your other safety spot where LJ early started, where Elijah Gates was the starter the year before and played a lot last season. Uh, so that's two extra guys you need to replace. And that's where we're seeing a big battle between the returners, guys like Stephen Comstock, who's having a, a solid spring as far as I can tell. He's really shown some improvement there. Uh, Krishan Gordon as well has had a lot of good moments. Kosi Agina is in that mix. Um, you know, you don't count out Maurice Norris as well, maybe moving around and, and filling one of those roles. Um, so a lot of options at safety. They've got a lot of depth, but you really want two big-time starters, and it feels like they've got at least one, and you hope that the second one emerges from that group of guys that have shown themselves to be solid, but uh, are they ready to handle uh, the big-time role? Uh, let's hope you hope that emerges here in the spring. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see just how they transition out of Williams um, and uh, and he, and how he uh, develops at that position because Evan Williams delivered a pop on uh, several occasions, uh, which we saw, and uh, uh, to see how things progress, if he's able to fill that that void, um, then the Bulldogs should be fine at the uh, safety position, of course. Uh, but uh, none of this matters if they can't stop them on the outside, right, Jackson? So <laughs> what's going on with the uh, cornerback position? Yeah, and this is as comfortable as I've felt about Fresno State's cornerback position in a long time at this time of year. Uh, Cam Lockridge and Carlton Johnson both played just so great down the stretch last season, and they're both back. Um, so... They have been everything we anticipated they would be at this time of year in the spring. They picked up right where they left off. Uh, but what else is going on in the cornerback room? Well, the Bulldogs did lose Kale Sanders. Uh, that's the spot they need to replace. But you also have Braylon Lux, who suffered a, a significant injury last year, much like Trey Watson as well. Wasn't too uh, optimistic about him competing much in the spring coming off of a late injury. But he has also been cleared to go. And so he is out there as well, um, trying to get back to speed and be that next cornerback up. And you know, before Lockridge and Johnson became what they were last year, Lux was a starter. So he's also going to try to get a starting job back. So uh, three really good, solid, experienced cornerbacks that um, you just feel like you're in a really good spot. You'd like to get maybe a, a number four to emerge. I think uh, Alzillian Hamilton has probably been the closest to being that guy. Um, they went through some junior college recruiting over the off season to get anyone, but uh, maybe that's still a, a need after spring camp. But um, you know, as long as two of those top three guys stay healthy, you feel like you're in a really good spot at cornerback this year. And one thing they were uh, enhanced by was a consistent pass rush, which uh, David Perales gave a lot of that. So uh, again, sometimes the D line and the, the cornerbacks go hand in hand and, so you hope that the Bulldogs find that pass rusher they need to replace Perales and that the cornerbacks don't get the beat. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to be key. If the uh, D-line uh, can't put pressure, then it's going to really put pressure on those uh, DBs on the outside to be able to do anything. Uh, but um, 
we'll we'll see how things kind of uh, fall into place. But it sounds like the the defensive side of things is looking uh, a lot more solid than I thought it was going to be, uh, which is a good thing, Jackson. Uh, so uh, I'm 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 very pleasantly surprised on how things are falling into place there. But of course, yeah. Uh, well, the it's interesting because whenever you lose Evan Williams and David Perales, it sounds like it's going to be pretty bad. To <laughs> right. Go through that, but they they do bring back eight starters, and they've got a lot of second teamers that played a lot of football as well. And uh, I think for me, it's just a matter of can they adequately replace those two to three plus guys. And right now, we see Dean Clark. Uh, do do they get the D lineman they need? I mean, if they find those last holes to, to plug. I mean, it should be just pick up where you left off last year as far as the defense is concerned, which was just phenomenal those last three games. Yeah, uh, and if if they're able to kind of get those uh, things put together, then uh, the Bulldogs will be just fine. Now, of course, um, we saw the emergence of special teams for the Bulldogs last season, uh, something that we haven't seen in, in some time. And are we expected to see more of that, especially with with uh, Coach Baxter still kind of uh, heading up that that uh, position? Oh, well, you certainly philosophy wise and schematic wise, you feel yeah you're not going to skip a beat. But uh, it's hard to not point to just Nico Armijo single handedly as uh, sparking special teams on his returns. At least, uh, I mean, it's more than just one guy, but there's been a whole lot of Bulldog teams that couldn't figure that out and they didn't have any Corbio <laughs> the past decade or so since Baxter first was here. Um, so that's a big question right now. Can they find a new Nico Armijo? Um And that's one question that uh, I haven't seen a lot of answers for so far. Maybe it's happening right now. And, uh, you know, we just don't get to see a lot of special teams out of practice and their media availability, but um Malik Sherrod handled some kick returns last year. Artis Cole is a newcomer who might be able to do some of that. Uh, Carlton Johnson is one of the fastest guys on the team. That's maybe an option. Um, guys like Eric Brooks and Magdalena could be returning options. So uh, it feels like there's some athletes on the team that can handle that. But it does take a special uh, bit of being dynamic and, and having vision to do what Remigio did. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be the biggest question mark is who are they going to have back there returning kickoffs and punts? Uh, of course, we're not going to hear that Romijo anymore in the stadium, <laughs> which became uh, uh, a, a crowd favorite, uh, or at least the announcer's favorite. Uh, he, he just, for whatever reason, that was uh, a little story, a funny story that I heard was, he had trouble saying his last name, and that was the only way he could say it. So, so he continued to do that throughout the year, uh, which, uh, you know, is fine. Cause he kind of got the crowd going, uh, with it, but it, uh, it, it is something to see what's going to happen, uh, as, as the season progresses now with the returning game, that's one aspect. How about the kicking game? It's, uh, you know, kickers, we did go through a few kickers last season with injuries. So how is that? panning out who's going to be the likely starter going into this season yeah much of the same right now um Abe Montano had a procedure right after the season to correct some of the injury issues he was working through last season um you know after the first couple of weeks uh he got dinged up and, and wasn't really 100 percent even when he did come back so uh not going to see much of him this spring and hopefully he re-emerges in the fall is the guy that we saw uh, when he first stepped in in 2021 and made all those kicks at Oregon, uh, that's kind of what we were expecting to see this year. And, and he had some some issues, but was also health-related. Uh, Dylan Lynch is handling all the kicking right now back after his freshman season. And at uh, the punting positions, Carson King is back, but the Bulldogs have also added a junior college transfer, Landon Ogles, out of Palomar College, who um, uh, was pretty highly touted coming out of the junior college ranks. So, a little bit of competition here. They really didn't have a backup punter uh, last year uh, who was uh, well-versed at the position. So uh, a little deeper at punter, and you hope that everything is so smooth with Montano that he can get back to being himself in the fall. Yeah, that's definitely going to be uh, something to keep an eye on um, for the kicking team to make sure we at least have somebody in there who's uh, – 
who's going to be serviceable for this season um, and uh, can make sure that they keep putting that ball right down the middle <laughs> uh, for the Bulldogs. That was kind of a, a, something that uh, the Bulldogs had some issues with, uh, but hopefully they get that all squared away before uh, heading into fall camp. Um, but with that being said, Jackson, that's pretty much the whole overview of everything that you've seen so far at spring camp. Now, this means that heading into the season, Bulldogs are going to be facing uh, all kinds of uh, competition, and they did release the f- uh, football ske- schedule not too long ago. And so why don't we touch upon that, uh, Jackson, and uh, what's your overall thoughts so far of what you see with happening with the schedule? Yeah. Uh, you know, before we get too far removed from spring, I just want to send a reminder out there that you know, everything you're hearing is kind of surface layer <laughs> compared to <laughs> the stuff we post on our Barkboard uh, Insider board. Um, we're out there at every practice. We're posting interviews. Uh, we've got uh, one-on-one Q&As with all of the assistant coaches, the new ones that we mentioned. There's uh, three new coaches, and we've done features on all three of them. Um, but probably the more juicier stuff that people are looking for, we're, I mean, we're posting about the quarterback battle every practice. We've got a depth chart. We are actively monitoring that every practice to see who has moved up from second to first team or moved down, and you know, uh, just as much insight you can as you can get on each practice. Uh, some of our, especially the early reports, if you haven't seen them, you can go back. They're about twenty five hundred words long. The first two, uh, all about new stuff about this team in the spring. So. Uh, if you're interested and uh, want to get that in-depth scoop on the team, uh, it's only a dollar for your first month. You can go check it out at barkboard.com and uh, join at the insider board and, and find all those uh, pieces of reports and content there. Um, but moving forward to the schedule, um, you know that's another reason to be excited for this season is because uh, you know, this schedule feels like one where last year's team might have run the table. <laughs> so. Uh, this year's team uh, has a lot of things to fix and replace on offense and uh, has a lot of question marks, but it seems very manageable. We knew the Bulldogs would start off at Purdue, uh, which is a game that feels winnable. They were in the Big Ten Championship game last year. But they lose their head coach. They lose their quarterback. They're going through a lot of changes. Uh, the Bulldogs go to Arizona State, who was one of the worst Power 5 schools last year. They've got a new coach. They've got 25 transfers coming in. They could end up being very good by the time September rolls around, but right now feels very winnable for. I mean, to have I don't remember ever the Bulldogs having two Power Five road games that felt this winnable. Um, so it's just a matter of if Fresno State can click fast enough with all the changes on offense. Will the defense be good enough to carry them? The first couple of weeks, they got a home games against Eastern Washington and Kent State that seemed pretty winnable. Um, it would be a shock, I think, to, to lose any of those games. But now we know the conference late, eight games, and it just looks like it's very favorable to me. I mean, you start off at home against Nevada. Seems like a great way to kick things off and get a dub. Uh, there are two road trips to the mountain region are both in early October. They are back-to-back. It's not quite ideal to go to Wyoming and Utah State back-to-back, but to do it in October, I'll take it early October going to avoid the winter weather at either of those places that could be tough to deal with if the games were played in November. Um, and then when the Bulldogs get back from that two-game road trip, they only have five games left. Uh, they have a, they get a bye week, then they have five games, and they're all in the state of California. <laughs> and uh, three of them are at home. Uh, their only two road trips are at San Jose State and at San Diego State. And to make things even better for the Red Wave, the San Jose State trip is on Veterans Day weekend. The San Diego State game is on Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, just uh, it's set up ideally to get to all three home games and travel. Uh, if you can make those trips, they're, they're very conveniently placed to watch this team go through the final five games. And it kind of feels like it's going to define the season um, because you've got Boise State at home in that stretch, uh, at San Diego State to finish the regular season. Uh, it's going to have a lot of chips on the table, I would imagine. At San Jose State, it's going to be a big game. Maybe UNLV at home, even uh, at the end of October, could be a big one. So, uh, there's regardless of how great or you know or how much of a struggle the first couple of weeks are, 
there should be a lot going into that final stretch, and it sets up very, very well for Fresno State the way it's lined up. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be uh, a, a very fun season. Um, I mean, being able to uh, take on a, a Pac-12 team and uh, and also heading off to to uh, to face Purdue, the boil boil makers. Uh, that's going to be fun fun trips to have uh, if you're able to make those. Um, but the fact that we're getting a lot of these games in the state of California, always a good thing for the Bulldog faithful to be able to travel within the state. Uh, I know it makes things a lot easier for us, right, Jackson? <laughs> so um, it, it just it helps us be able to cover the games a lot easier that way. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm generally happy with this schedule, the way it's set up, uh, this season. I think, uh, a lot of it kind of falls into the, the Bulldogs lap here, uh, on some of these dates, right? Yeah. I, I think the way it's lined up is about as good as you could ask for. Uh, I think probably the thing to be careful of is that, you know, you look at every individual matchup and they all seem winnable, but doing getting them all is a, a totally different task it's something that's a lot more difficult and when you look at the schedule uh at home you've got eastern washington kent state unlv boise state new mexico um, you know the, it feels like outside of boise state you've got five easy wins and, and it could be six <laughs> if you can pull off the boise state win again um whereas on the road you've got purdue arizona state Utah State, Wyoming, San Jose State, San Diego State. Again, there's not one game you circle and think, oh, that, that's a loss. But five of those six teams went bowling last year, and the one that didn't is Arizona State. <laughs> so uh, to win all of those uh, in one season is going to be a pretty tall task. It's tough to win on the road against good teams in college football. So, uh, But you do avoid the, the USC. You avoid the Alabama or Washington or, you know, some of these games that Fresno State's played where uh, you don't anticipate too much other than hopefully covering the spread and getting a paycheck. Uh, this is not one of those years. Um, it lines up very well uh, for them each week, but doing it 12 times in a row or uh, even 10 out of 12 is a, a tough one. Uh, we've seen Coach Tedford has done it plenty of times, and I think he's going to have enough with this team to, to make it happen again. Yeah, this is gonna be, um, it's gonna be fun. I, I'm I'm ready for football. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's let, let's let's start tomorrow, All right, Jackson? Let's just get it going. Uh, but before we can do that, we still have to get through fall camp and all this stuff, and and let the pieces fall into place. Uh, and so we'll we'll see what happens there. But before we we call this a show, Jackson, we couldn't do it without first touching base of what has happened with Fresno state and this men's basketball team and a lot of question marks happening right now, Jackson, can you shed some light on what, what is happening right now? Yeah, it's in a weird spot right now to say the least. Um, you know, the season, let me say first coach Hudson has, uh, you know, he's gone through some unusual circumstances at Fresno State. He's laid out a lot of challenges that he's had here, and a lot of them are very valid uh, reasons for him to feel like maybe he hasn't gotten a fair shake or that he deserves more time. Um, but it feels like the way that this last year ended um, with losing to San Diego State on two of 26 three-pointers on losing the Colorado State game in just a, a very ugly fashion where they uh, gave up a, a five-point lead in the last minute, um, losing to Nevada at home in another discouraging game, um, and then losing in the very first round against Colorado State, especially uh, Fresno State, the president and athletic director, kind of both went on the record that what happened against San Diego State and Colorado State is kind of not acceptable, and uh, if they can – redeem themselves in the Mountain West tournament by beating those same two teams, those were the two that they were going to have to face to make a run, that it would resolve some of the concerns they have about the program. And they went right out into the tournament and lost to Colorado State one and done uh, in a very similar way that they lost all season long. So um, it felt like the stage was set for them to make a change. And here we are uh, two weeks later and, and nothing has happened. But there has also not been any confirmation that they're not making a change. So 
Um, they are in a uh, elongated review period here, I guess. Um, I have not been given any confirmation that they have committed to Hudson for another year or beyond. I have not been given any confirmation that they're making a move either. Um, so typically we do see teams that if they are making a change, they typically are at the final four making, there's a lot of networking that goes on there and there's a lot of maybe even preliminary you know, contact or interviews that could take place there. So you would imagine if Fresno State was going to make a move, they would do so before, uh, not this upcoming weekend, but the following weekend uh, so that they could get into the game of the, the coaching search there. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of a, a wait and see right now. Um, the Bulldogs do bring back the majority of their team. Uh, only one player has hit the transfer portal so far, Destin Whitaker. Uh, the only player that's out of eligibility that finished the year in the rotation was Jordan Campbell. Everyone else is eligible to come back and has not hit the portal or made any other decisions. And the Bulldogs right now have four scholarships to work with. So uh, Coach Hutt has tried to make the argument that they were not far off this last year and that with those extra pieces, that he can get the guys to take the team to another level. He would have Joseph Hunter theoretically back after missing all the last year with injuries. So, um, I don't think Fresno State is necessarily in a, a hurry to tell Hudson to hit the road, but they're in an awkward spot because he only has one year left on his contract, and you just don't see coaches coach on that one year remaining on the contract. They usually are extended or fired um, just because if you're on that last year and it's hard to recruit, you know things aren't going well, you're going to start thinking about your next move <laughs> because you're going to know you're not getting extended. So um, just uh, a lot of, uh, it seems like indecisiveness right now, and we'll see if a decision comes in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Things are going to uh, get very interesting for the Fresno State basketball team here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and if something were to drop, uh, check out the barkboard.com. Uh, we usually have the most comprehensive uh, behind-the-scenes information uh, as to what is going on with the uh, with anything uh, in regards to coaching. Um, and, of course, only accessible in our premium boards. So uh, if you're not a premium subscriber yet, you might want to head on over and take a look at it. Um, Jackson does a wonderful job of getting the latest scoops uh, before anyone else. So... Uh, again, that is something you want to check out uh, if you haven't done so already. Any final thoughts, Jackson, before we wrap this one up? Yeah, just uh, excited to be back out around football right now. Um, the Bulldogs are going to have a week off for spring break, and uh, we're still almost a month away from the spring preview on the 15th of April. Uh, they're bringing back the block party. There's going to be tailgates and I believe some baseball and or softball going on. Um, they're, they're going to try and do it again like they did last year, which was a lot of fun. That'll be the public's one chance to see the team this spring. But until then, stay tuned with us on barkport.com on the VIP uh, practice reports. Uh, we'll be out there at each practice and getting interviews and covering what's going on. Um, and again, if you want to join, we are offering your first month for just a dollar. Uh, you can get in and, and check everything out. We've got basketball stuff still going on, baseball and softball being played, and, and we're out there occasionally, uh, you know, as frequently as we can. But um, right this time of year for us is spring football season, <laughs> so uh, we're definitely going to be focusing on that as much as we can. Absolutely. So uh, make sure you keep tuning in to thebarkboard.com for all the latest news and updates um, for Fresno State Athletics. Uh, we're, uh, we try and report things as quickly as possible um, and usually can scoop other people uh, if uh, you haven't noticed already. So, <laughs> um, But that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us uh, and join us again next time as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. Uh, things are only about to get heated up even further. Um, and as the, the season progresses, these podcasts will start to come out a little more frequently. Uh, but until that happens, uh, just keep an eye out. We'll keep dropping episodes as we have uh, information for you. 
Now, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, also, find us uh, on Facebook. Just do a search for the uh, BarkBoard.com. And as always, uh, join our free, free and premium uh, boards over at the BarkBoard.com for all your latest news and updates. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next time as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>